Welcome to EMDR Chat with Kurt and Michelle. I'm Dr. Curtis Roundson. And I am Dr. Michelle Gottlieb, and we are very excited to hear from, or to talk with all of you today. And let me excuse my voice. I'm catching a little bit of a cold, so excuse the way my voice sounds. <laughs> um, we have a guest today. We have a guest, Dr. Deborah Silveria, and we're very excited to have her with us for a variety of reasons. First off, she is an amazing, so amazingly talented presenter and uh, trainer in EMDR therapy. And one of the incredible things she does is she does trainings on early interventions. So uh, first, Deb, hi, hello. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, Deb. Oh, thank you. Hi, Kurt. Hi, Michelle. So honored and grateful to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank Thank you. you for coming. So the first question I have for you that we get asked all the time, why do we need early interventions and what are they? Such an important question, and we we need to be able to justify what early interventions are. I'm going to pose a question to you. If we remove a trauma early, it doesn't get entrenched, correct? Correct. And we're also possibly building resilience. I like the metaphor of a splinter. Why wait for it to get infected? <laughs> Something doesn't usually get better if it doesn't get taken care of. It usually gets worse. Haven't we seen this? Um, Secondary disorders are more likely to surface if current traumas are untreated. Clients with trauma histories, okay, there's comorbid functioning. They now come in with substance abuse and anxiety disorders. You see this. So why early intervention following trauma is for prevention. Maybe we can reduce the distress and suffering. There's that decreased risk of these, you know, extra disorders or comorbid, comorbid, such as substance abuse and other disorders. Also from the ACE study, we know there's extensive risk of physical illness. As Bessel van der Kolk says, the body contains the trauma and keeps the score. There's the cost to society. We, we leave, have jobs that people leave. They can't work. There's more impatient. And then it impacts the quality of life. Look at the cost to families that are impacted by the substance abuse or the trauma, the PTSD of their coworkers. They come home irritable. They use substances. It impacts the quality of their life. So that's why we need it. You know, I remember being taught, though, I couldn't do trauma unless it had been, in, you know, for three to six months. You know, that it had to be sitting there percolating. And what you're saying is that we don't have to let it percolate. No, we don't. We don't need to let it percolate during all of that time. And this brings up another interesting point. Um, you know, we love this story, Uh Sheldon Cop, if you meet the Buddha on the road, kill him. And one of the little stories in there is, let's say we're all going out and we're in the forest and we get lost and we can't find our way out and we find a little hut. And so we knock on the door and a man comes out. We say, oh my goodness, how long have you lived here? And he says, oh, I've lived here 40 years. And we're so excited because now we can get a way out. So we say, oh my gosh, you've lived here 40 years. We are lost. Please lead us out of the forest. And the little man says, well, I know many ways that do not lead out of the forest after living here for 40 years. Perhaps we can find a way out 
together. <laughs> so <laughs> we can all go together to figure out the mystery because mm-hmm. let's look at what is early intervention. Well, um, the World Health Organization and the DSM said in, in 2013 that the first month was early intervention. Then the UK came along in 2018, the NICE guidelines, their National Institute for Health and Care Excellence, updated and considered interventions over three time periods. The first month they call prevention, months two and three they call treatment, and delayed PTSD treatment is for symptoms after three months. Then ISTSS, the International Society for Traumatic Stress Studies, updated their guidelines also in 2018, and they say the first three months, and they distinguish between single and multiple session interventions. Oh, so what is early intervention? Then it gets more complicated. And this is a communication to me from Alan Shapiro, who developed the GTEP, the Group Traumatic Episode Protocol, and also the RTEP, um, the recent traumatic episode protocol. He developed that with his colleague, Bruit Laub, after the war in Lebanon in 2006, things that they had learned. But he talked to Neil Rogers, um, who's the lead author of the Cochrane Studies and the NICE Guidelines. And actually, he asked him what position he had in the DSM-5 as to what is recent event. And I am going to quote um, from... Uh, Neil Rogers, he said, there is reasonable consensus in the traumatic stress field that a three-month window is a sensible, let's all go out together, makes sense, right, as a time frame for defining an early intervention. But this is the second part, Kurt, that is wonderful. Although we have discussed with many that there are many life-changing traumas, and this window is less meaningful. And so one of the things that we have found is, and maybe this is for another podcast, but we can use the recent traumatic event protocol after a recent event, but what about in complex trauma? If your clients are so flooded we might be able to fractionate it kind of like EMD Mm -hmm. and break it up into little pieces so you can use a recent event protocol or a recent episode, traumatic episode protocol, a year, two years later. For example, I had the great privilege of there was a... um, Oh, my gosh, there's been so many shootings, huh, Kurt? Uh, Yeah, Yeah, way too many. (laughs) Way too many. But you may remember in uh, uh, 2015, December 2nd, there was a terrorist attack in San Bernardino where the radicalized Muslim and his wife went in and shot up their co-workers and killed 15 of them. I had the great privilege of doing a retreat for some of the survivors. And there was someone who came in, and this was, you know, politics and funding, it took a year and a half in order to provide the uh, the retreat. And someone came in and they told me the story of the shooting. And it was, I saw the man in the doorway. It was the fatigues. He took out the gun. They ran uh, down the hallway. I ran into the closet. I heard the machine gun. It was still in that fragmented form 
that Francine had noticed before. So if it hasn't knit together and there's a lot of complex trauma, you can use these early interventions later. Isn't that wonderful? I think that is such an important reminder for us that, you know, not being so rigid. I'm sorry, it's past 90 days. You can't use this anymore. No, it can be so useful and so important. So thank you, Deb. Absolutely. And you're really looking at how, how integrated or fragmented the memory is as in terms of what intervention you're using. Right? Right. And that's what Francine first looked at. Okay. She looked at the nature of the memory. I believe it was after an earthquake. Mm -hmm. And she saw that things were fragmented. Okay. Now, when Elon came and became interested in early interventions in 2006, that was the only concept that Francine acknowledged. And he thought that there was more. Now, she knew that the nature of the memory wasn't consolidated. It was in these little fragmented forms. But he looked at it and he added the nature of the situation. So when somebody comes in after a shooting in the first few days after or weeks, they're in acute distress and arousal. And so we're going to have to think, he postulated, that there's extra containment that you need to have in the protocol in order to manage the distress. And then the last thing that he thought about was the nature of the therapy contract. Is it okay to only work on this piece through this event and put the rest in the container? With early interventions, we're only going to work on this piece. So we teach a lot of containment and keep that processing contained and not let it rip into the whole brain. So that's different than the standard protocol where you go to the touchstone or the earliest or all of these um, in the client's life. Right. Interesting. Interesting. I like how, you know, the, the development of early interventions has gotten more thoughtful, if that's the best way of saying it, of really what does the client need. I really like that. Right. And remember, we started out with the infamous EMD protocol that was originally published, I think, in 1987 and then abandoned in the 90s. Uh, but it was reintroduced in the emergency situations in 2004 in the HAP military and post-disaster field manual. But Francine had found, oh, my goodness, from EMD, she'd slipped into this wonderful EMDR uh, reprocessing of other events. Okay. And so then she did, uh, conceptualize the recent event protocol and she conceptualized that as this fragmented experience, which hasn't consolidated so that no single image can represent the entire event. So she said it was necessary to process a number of targets which, as you know, are aspects or parts of the event in order to facilitate integration and consolidation. And I want to emphasize the word event because when Francine conceptualized the protocol, it was about the event itself, like when the car accident happened, when it started, and then the car accident was over. What Ilan and Beirut did is they they expanded it to the entire episode. Right. Okay. For example, I had a client 
uh, and she, um, actually, this was not my client, but I'm going to give somebody else's story because I like it. Uh, <laughs> there was a client of theirs that uh, had a seizure and bit their tongue and fell to the floor in uh, front of their four-year-old. And when they came to, their four-year-old was looking at them. Now, the worst part of this event, I might think, was their four-year-old in horror looking at them because your tongue bleeds a lot and all bloody around the face. But the worst part of this event for that particular client was four months later when the doctor told her that she might never be able to be alone with her children again until they were 13 years of age because of wow. her seizures. So the event was over, but this is the whole episode leading up until today. So the episode is from the time it happened all the way up to today. And that's what Elon introduced in his protocols. Now I've just kind of talked about RTEP and GTEP, but there's many early EMDR intervention protocols. And that's what I um, wanted to ask you, if you mm -hmm. could speak to, because oh, it's not just EMD, it's not just Francine's uh, protocol, and not just uh, RTEP, which you've been speaking about, but what else is available? There's so many available. Um, there's the ISP that was done by Gary Quinn, and that's a first aid procedure, and it focuses on safety and orienting to the positive cognition with BLS right after an event. He developed that in Israel. There's also a protocol for recent critical incidents, the PRESI, which is for ongoing traumatic stress, and that's by um, Nacho Herrero and Lucy uh, Artigas, and that was developed in 2009. And then there's the integrative group treatment protocol, the IGTP also um, developed by Herrero. And it offers, um, it's very effective for large groups and for children. Um, Marilyn Luber, you know, she has her scripted protocol. She has an entire book on early EMDR uh, interventions. Uh, and there's also an early EMDR toolkit on the EMDR uh, Foundation Research Foundation's website as well. You know, so you also just mentioned, stuff. kind of in passing, but let's speak a little bit more about it, that the, for, I think, almost all of the ones you spoke about, not only are there individual interventions, there's group protocols. Yes, there are. And actually, there is a book that I had the great privilege of co-authoring a chapter in Yay. with uh, Dr. Robbie Adler-Tapia. Um, and what we did is we did it with first responders because I do a lot of work with law enforcement and first responders after, for example, officer-involved shootings, fires, and things like that. And we did a chapter in that book. But there's a whole book coming out from Springer and it's supposed to be published. It is on Amazon uh, at the end of the month. It's supposed to come out. And it's on group interventions for EMDR therapy. And there are many um, interventions in there that are early EMDR interventions, as well as developing the field into more long-term interventions. Because let's do the math. There's such a need for group. There's more trauma in the world. 
than there are individual therapists. And they used to have some statistic, you know, 75% of the people who have a trauma in their life. Well, I think if you lived on the planet, Kurt, right? That's right. Three years, a pandemic would qualify that everybody on the planet has been exposed to as well as the other types of things that have fallen out as a result of, um, you know, the COVID. I don't know. I don't want to misspeak, but I actually think that now in the development of research that there's more research on group kinds of protocols in the use of EMDR that, uh, and almost in the individual use. It's really interesting how this exploded because it of the need exploded. that is necessary. Such a need. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, Absolute, you know, again, need. going from there, um, what, because people ask all the time, right, is how valid are these protocols? There's been a lot of research done on the early interventions, group and individual. Right. Absolutely. And especially since um, the COVID and Zoom, one of the positive things, the, I don't think the COVID is ever a good thing, but there are good things that can come out of bad things. And one of them is, I think, Zoom. I couldn't spell Zoom, Kurt, before the <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> and if you'd have told me that I'd be doing EMDR or group EMDR oh, with somebody I hadn't met in my office and done the th- thorough biopsychosocial, I'd say I, I kind of like my license. Yeah, it had so. been unethical, unprofessional, but illegal. We, you know. But as you know, Kurt, the research shows that the internet does It work. does. So I'm part of an international community that does the RTEP and the, and the GTEP, because as you know, I'm an RTEP uh, soon-to-be trainer signed off by Elon. Uh, and um, because of the earthquakes that happened in Turkey, because of the war in the Ukraine, this wonderful group of therapists did Zoom GTEPs with people in the Ukraine with therapists so that they could help other therapists and be there for them. They did They did um, with someone in a bathtub hearing bombs going off overhead. Yes. They were able to do the GTEP. There's so much research coming out that's published in the last couple of years, and they are uh, valid in terms of randomized controlled trials as well, which is absolutely fascinating. So there's a plethora that's come out in the last couple of years because of the Internet being so available to do the groups on. Yeah. Uh, Necessity is a mother of invention, right? So, Deb, we're almost out of time. What would you, if there was one thing, that our listeners could take from today, what would you want them to grab hold of? Well, I love, I love group. <laughs> okay. I love group. I would tell people, this is, if this is my thing, you know, I love RTEP and GTEP because RTEP, okay, the recent traumatic episode protocol is not just, as we've seen, just for those one to three months when the, the memory is is uh, not consolidated, we know that the memory cannot be consolidated for years later, or it can be used with clients that are have um, complex PTSD and they're not able to self-regulate. So we can we can add it to our armamentarium of tools when the basic protocol doesn't work, when our standard protocol may not be the treatment of choice for our clients. And I love group because do the math, like I said. 
And you can use this, like GTEP is being used with medical staff after the COVID. There was a study with cancer patients. There's a study, um, There's you can use it with children. They're using it for residential out-of-home care staff. Um, some other research that's coming in is um, with postpartum depression, with um, hospice workers, because, you know, they get traumatized a lot with having their, their patients die and doing this group treatment with, with hospice workers. It's, it's fabulous. It is. Thank you, Deb, for all, for all that you bring and all the work that you do. It's amazing. And everyone, please remember there's early interventions. We don't have to wait. 30, 60, 90s, days, six months later, we can help so people don't develop PTSD. Please remember that there are group protocols so we can help even more people and that there are amazing trainers like Deb who will help teach you how to do it all. So, yes, thank you, Deb. And all of you have listened. Thank you again for listening with us. And until next time, we'll see you. Have a great day, everyone. Bye.